Hello and welcome to X-Ray FM's Space Segment. If you want to catch our episode, listen in to X-Ray FM every Wednesday at 8am. I'm your host, Daniel Trainer, and let's get into the news. So, starting off with the news, we have SpaceX filing for FCC approval for Starship Suborbital Comms out of Boca Chica, Texas. Now, the dates are currently set for the 13th of October, and they last for one year, so that means they would go all the way through to October 13th, 2020. Now, important to note, suborbital. Suborbital means 20 kilometers. So that means we're going to have a 20-kilometer flight sometime in the next year. Now, there's something that's a little bit important to to mention about this, because uh, in November, which isn't that far after the FCC filing for the the dates that they've requested, there's going to be four launches, right? And now there might even be the start of some tests for Starship. And also on top of all of that, we've also got the Starlink, uh, which is planned for around that time. Now, this is what I thought. I thought to myself, well, what if, what if they actually launched Starlink possibly on Starship? Now, I know Starship's still a prototype, but this is all happening very close to each other. So, I mean, it might give merit to that being a possibility. Another thing that I noticed, Elon mentioned on Twitter, that the next step after Mars will be Ceres, Callisto, Ganymede, and Titan. If you don't know what they are, we'll start in the order that he's put them, because there is a reason for that. So the first one is Ceres, which is a dwarf planet, and that lies between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter. It has a diameter of 945 kilometers, and it's the 33rd largest known body in the solar system. So it's comprised of rock and, most importantly, ice. Going on to the next one, we've got Callisto, which is the second largest moon of Jupiter, after Ganymede, which we'll get onto a little bit later. And again, similar to the last one in Ceres, it has rock and ice. Again, ice, very important. Now, going over into Ganymede, it's larger than the planet Mercury. And interestingly, would have been a planet if it didn't orbit Jupiter. And it actually has its own magnetic field. And probably one of the most interesting points, Ganymede has a thin oxygen atmosphere and possibly even an ozone layer. So honestly, I would put that up at the top of the list. I like the sound of Ganymede. And lastly, we've got Titan, which is the largest moon of Saturn and the second largest natural satellite in the solar system. It's the only moon to have a dense atmosphere. Titan's 50% larger than Earth's moon and again has ice and rocky material. Again, key, ice, water, we need that. So I I really hope Elon elaborates on this a little bit more at the 28th of September uh, at the Boca Chica presentation, but... Again, this wouldn't be possible if we didn't have Starship, and that's why it's being accelerated as quickly as it is. Now, moving over into Raptor news, uh, Elon gave a little interesting uh, side comment, which I think is very interesting. So the Raptor engines apparently have more to give. Elon over Twitter said that the tests are not indicative of capability, and that's quite interesting. Now, we already saw the Star Hopper be lifted by one Raptor. Only one. We only had one Raptor on the Star Hopper. 
And it looks like they might even be more powerful. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens. But I have a feeling that Elon at the Boca Chica presentation on the 28th of September is going to have a lot to say about that. Going on to some international news, we have Federer, our favorite Skybot robot that looks like Terminator. He's returned back to Earth, having spent 16 days in space on the ISS. Uh, The ISS itself got a bandwidth upgrade. Now it's got 600 megabytes per second. I really wish my internet was that good. And we had some cement mixing on the ISS. Is it time to expand the station? Maybe build on a couple of modules with some concrete? No. Uh, But the research is to how the cement forms in zero-g. And what they've found so far is that it stays pretty uniform, but develops large air pockets. We'll have to wait to find out the strength of the samples when they get destroyed later this year. But the the whole point of this research, from what I can see and piece together with some other research projects, is to see how we could 3D print houses on Mars with concrete. There's a company called AI Space Factory, and they actually just won half a million dollars from NASA for their Mars Habitat. If you're interested in this, definitely go and check their website out. And it actually shows you how they would build this thing. They would have like a little rover with a big arm on it at the top with a 3D printing nozzle. And it kind of circulates, makes a little circular, almost kind of looks like a pine cone. It's very futuristic. I mean, I wouldn't mind living in that on Earth, but it's kind of cool to see that they did get funding for it. And this is where the concrete comes in to be really important. Now, I know Elon Musk with the Boring Company were looking at compressed dirt bricks, which are very strong. But maybe you could make a paste out of that to use in this 3D printing setup. Maybe you have like a boring mine extracting all this dirt that you can use with water and fuse it together to make 3D printing sediment. It's a bit like what ants do with their anthills, but on a bigger scale. Now heading over into the biggest piece of news, uh, the most exciting piece of news, the three-phase plan for Starship shows Boca Chica test pad and other modifications. So this is the next plan for the, it's kind of two-ish years uh, that's going to be happening. And it kind of reminded me a bit of, uh, if you remember the J.J. Abrams reboot of Star Trek, I I believe it was the first one. It shows the USS Enterprise out in this desert. You have all the construction workers that are piecing together panels. They're putting it all all together. A bit like a bit like Starship. It just totally was like, wow, that just came out of a film and now it's a reality. And that's what they're doing right now. So phase one uh, includes the tests of ground systems and fueling, a handful of rocket engine test firings, and several small hops of a few centimeters off the ground. The document also showed kind of the graphics of what it would look like with placements for water tanks, liquid methane, and oxygen storage tanks. So that's for the Starship fuel and other launch pad infrastructure. The phase two shows several more small hops of Starship, although this goes up to now the 150 meters in altitude. Doesn't that sound familiar? A little bit like Starhopper? And later, medium hops, which go to about 1.9 miles or three kilometers. The construction of phase two is for Starship. And then lastly, we've got phase three. So again, this is just the brief summaries of what's happening. So phase three then states, a few large hops that take Starship up to 62 miles or 100 kilometers above Earth, which is the unofficial edge of space with re-entries and landings. So they're they're doing the whole thing. Uh, This is really cool, actually, because we're, we're talking about all of this very soon. We're not talking about this being five, 10 years down the line. This is happening now. And on top of all of this, the chief operating officer of SpaceX, Gwen Shotwell, at the Business Week panel, just said that they would hopefully be flying crew this year. 
which is fantastic. This really puts them ahead of the uh, the schedule that they had already had. Uh, there's a lot of memes and jokes about Elon time and how it's way off what it'll actually be. But right now they're like they're like a year ahead of schedule. So this has gone into like hyperdrive or something. Uh, another thing to note: we've got some new pictures that emerged of the Starship with the adjustable leg fins. That's kind of a tongue twister, actually. Uh, let's just call them flags. That's a pretty nice word. It's got a nice sound to it. Flags. So the photos were taken by Boca Chica Maria, who's a resident that lives just across the road from the SpaceX facility. Now, I, I, this is really important, actually. The first flag that we saw kind of was a little bit slimmer. It wasn't as large as this one. This one's quite thick. Uh, this flag looks like it's a little bit more beefed up, and that might confirm some of the rumors that we've heard, which is that the Starship might be slightly larger than we originally thought. Just with what's going on at Boca Chica and over in the Florida facility, you can see that the column for the Starship, not the Super Heavy, the Starship, it looks a lot larger than the concepts had. So could this leg kind of be a confirmation that they might need something a little bit more structurally stronger to hold up that extra weight? So I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of starting to think that possibly the Starship might be larger than we had originally thought. Now already, like I said, there's going to be this next Starship, which is 18 meters in diameter, which we'll talk about in a minute. But the, the current Starship, which is 9 meters in diameter, is going to be taller. Now, it was already going to be larger than Saturn V, so what does that mean for the 18 diameter? Now, actually, I had a little idea. Last time we were talking about artificial gravity with the Werner von Braun space station. Uh, you obviously may have seen it in the 2001 film Space Odyssey, but I kind of had a little bit of a think about that. Now, we've got an 18 meter in diameter Starship. Could we possibly have artificial gravity on it? I think somebody threw the concept out that you could maybe flip Starship. So the head and the toe of the Starship, if you want to think of it like this, would flip. I don't know if that would be very good for structural rigidity. But, I mean, it could work. I don't know. I'm not a rocket scientist. But what if we had a spinning module inside the hull of Starship, maybe for the sleeping quarters that spun inside the shell. So it's not the ship that's spinning, it's only this little part inside the ship. Think of it as like a, a wheel inside of a, a barrel, right? This wheel's spinning inside the barrel, and that could possibly be where people sleep. And you would get a much better sleep. You wouldn't need all this apparatus to keep you strung up against the wall. You would just go to sleep. A bit like, like I mentioned last week, those rides that you get at theme parks where it spins and it pushes you up against the wall. So I don't know if anybody at SpaceX heard that idea. Remember to give me credit. All right, so enough of that. We've got some extra news coming from the SES, and they've selected SpaceX to launch their O3B M-Power MEO, which is short for Medium Earth Orbit Communication System, using the Falcon 9. Now... What, what even is this? That's probably what your first question is. Well, it's a seven-satellite system. The launch date is going to be apparently for 2021. And what it is is a low-latency, high-bandwidth connectivity service. It's almost like a version of Starlink, but a little bit different. A little bit of a history on this. Uh, actually, the SEC, when I did a bit of research, were actually the first company to launch into GEO and also the first to launch on the first SpaceX reused rocket. So they've definitely got a partnership with that and it'll be cool to see when it launches. 
Alright, so moving on to the next thing, I want to give a big update about the Starlink ESA satellite collision thing. Because there was a lot of confusion, a lot of people didn't know what was going on. So what happened was, SpaceX had a communication error. It was a bug in the on-call paging system, and that prevented the Starlink operator from seeing the follow-on correspondence. And they clarified that by saying, had the operator seen the correspondence, we would have coordinated with the ESA, or the European Space Agency, to determine the best approach with their continuing maneuver or outperforming maneuver. So it's pretty clear the issue is now being fixed, and it's good this happened without anything being destroyed. And just a little something to add to that, the ESA in 2018 alone performed 28 maneuvers to avoid objects in orbit. Again, this was all news that just happened in the last week. This is how quick things are starting to move. And as I've said before, we really are going into the space age. So if you like hearing about the news, be sure to tune in to X-Ray FM every Wednesday at 8am. I'm your host, Daniel Trainer, and we'll see you next time.